0: Well, the House of Commons Transport Committee is launching an investigation into airport delays and flight cancellations. The committee met virtually today and voted unanimously to move forward with that study. Uh, they will invite Transport Minister Omar al to testify and will hold a, a first hearing by the end of this week. Of course, we've been talking a lot about airport delays and airline delays that continues. Of course, Pearson, Montreal's airport, still having troubles. Um, There's also another issue that's come up, and it's the matter of compensation for those long-delayed or cancelled flights, and it involves Air Canada. There are reports out coming to light of passengers whose flights were delayed or cancelled, and they're being told by the airline, by Air Canada, that they're not due compensation because it's, quote, a safety issue. Here's why that's a problem. Canada's Passenger Rights Charter, the Air Passenger Protection Regulations, mandates airlines to pay up to $1,000 in compensation for cancellations or significant delays, that stem for reasons within the carrier's control when the notification comes 14 days or less before departure. However, they do not have to pay the change if the change was required for, quote, safety purposes. And a memo sent out uh, December 29th that the CBC is reporting on, classifies, tells employees to classify flight cancellations caused by staff shortages as, quote, safety problems, which excludes travellers, as I mentioned, from compensation under federal regulations. That policy apparently remains in place. Well, joining me now with more on this is Gabor Lukacs. He's president of Air Passengers Rights. Thanks so much for your time tonight.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: So uh, th- this is a, a bit of an odd one, I would say. So if I have this straight, Air Canada has sent out a directive to its employees that every time there's a crew constraint issue, or often uh, they're to refer to it as a safety issue, why would they do that? And what is the impact?
1: Air Canada is misrepresenting here its own management, managerial decision, HR decisions, ticket sales decisions as a safety issue to avoid paying passengers' compensation. Under Canada's substandard and inferior air passenger protection regime, if an airline can establish that the flight is cancelled for safety reasons, then they don't have to pay lump sum compensation. So this is a way to avoid paying compensation that is clearly owed to passengers.
0: This, yep, go ahead.
1: What we need to understand is that it is settled law that crew shortages are not safety issues. They are uh, simply managerial issues, management issues. And there's a recent decision, even by the airline-friendly Federal Regulator, the Canadian Transportation Agency.
0: So, how does this manifest itself? I understand. So, for instance, if my flight were to be cancelled or delayed by, you know, a couple of days, and it was due to a staff issue, in other words, there wasn't enough staff to staff the flight. That is then classified as a safety issue, and I get, I get nothing. Is that right? That's
1: how Air Canada misrepresents it. But Air Canada is not the last word on whether you are owed compensation. It would be a judge in your province who decides that. So Air Canada can say whatever it wants. You can say the Earth is flat, uh, that uh, it is not even possible to fly, or that crew shortage is a uh, safety issue. That is simply their opinion. The question is what a judge is going to say. What we do know is that the federal regulator already spoke and settled that question and held that crew shortage issues are within the airline's control and are not safety issues.
0: I understand that. Uh, I mean, why why do you think Air Canada would do this then? Is this just to dissuade people from pursuing these things?
1: Air Canada is trying to swindle people out of the money is owed to them under the law. This is a method to avoid... Passengers' claims to make passengers believe that they have no rights where actually they do.
0: There are some, I mean, once you've submitted your complaint, say, to the airline, um, the process after that, though, can become quite lengthy, though. So, in some senses, I can imagine that a lot of customers might think twice about even pursuing if they don't think they're going to get their compensation.
1: Under the law, the airline has to provide a compensation or clear explanation why they refuse to pay within 30 days of submitting your request in writing for compensation. If the airline refuses to pay, then passengers have the right to take matters to Small Claims Court or in British Columbia, Civil resolutions Tribunal to enforce their rights under the law.
0: The system, though, what you were asking passengers to do is to pursue this themselves, which which in of itself is going to dissuade people, I think from doing it because it involves more work. You've already lost time, and now you're giving more time to try to get this compensation back.
1: Unfortunately, all passenger protection regimes, even the European gold standard, requires some effort from passengers. What is missing from Canada is a significant disincentive for airlines to stonewall passengers. That disincentive should be in the form of significant cost awards against airlines that unlawfully refuse compensation to passengers, as well as uh, using the existing tools under the law to fine airlines on top of the compensation to passengers for misleading passengers and refusing to pay when compensation is owed. Under the law, the government can fine airlines up to $25,000 per incident per passenger for improperly refusing to pay compensation. Unfortunately, that has never happened.
0: Because as you mentioned, um, there was a ruling recently involving a different airline, I believe, uh, that called these staff shortages being, uh, being labeled as safety issues, said that it was blatantly, that it couldn't be done that way. So Air Canada must be fully aware of the fact that this decision has been made. And yet this policy that I gather they put into place in late December of last year is still in place.
1: The fact that Air Canada is so openly defies the law in the face of the decision demonstrates how deeply rooted problem we are talking about. In a normal society, after such issue is discovered, and after Canada publicly admits that, there should be some immediate consequences. Massive fines being issued, possibly even some criminal prosecution for something which may well be crossing the line from civil to criminal if it is systemic and done knowingly that it is misleading the public and it is causing losses to the public.
0: It feels like this has always been the game that the airlines play, though, that this is, this is what they do. They push the boundaries to see if they can, because obviously it's good for the bottom line, uh, and then, you know, apologize when they get caught or not.
1: Well, this this is now beyond pushing the boundaries. This is now doing something which is clearly blatantly illegal, and it has already been declared to be wrong before.
0: I'm speaking with Gabor Lukash of Air Passengers Rights. We're talking about uh, some rules in place that have come up as people are asking for compensation from Air Canada for flights that have been long delayed or cancelled and under the rules would normally qualify for some sort of compensation. Uh, according to memos and reporting, uh, Air Canada has been treating these staffing shortages as, quote, safety issues, meaning they don't have to pay the compensation. As Gabor has been pointing out, that's already been found to be by the Canada- Canadian Transport Agency or Authority has already been found to be incorrect, if not uh, beyond that. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more about what kind of regime needs to be in place, because understandably, I think part of the problem here is the is the rules that are in place to begin with compared to, say, the European Union. We'll get to that after this. Well, I guess this half hour is Gabor Lukash. He's president of Air Passengers Rights. We're talking about uh, some recent compensation decisions uh, on behalf of Air Canada, uh, not on behalf of Air Canada, but from passengers complaining or asking for compensation from Air Canada and being told that if their flight was canceled due to a staffing issue, uh, that it's in fact, or a staffing shortage, that it in fact was a safety issue and therefore they're not owed any compensation. So some lots of questions surrounding that. We've been talking to Gabor Lukash exactly about what that means. He's not impressed in the least. So what is the issue? here, because I gather, Brent, you pointed this out already, that part of the problem is the rules that are there to begin with, compared to, say, in Canada, compared to, say, the European Union.
1: So in Canada, one of the biggest differences is that if an airline can establish that a flight was delayed or canceled due to safety reasons, and that would refer to a situation like uh, oil leakage, for example, before the takeoff, then they don't have to pay the passenger this lump sum compensation. They still have to provide alternative booking and meals and accommodation, but not lump sum compensation. And this creates two problems. On the one hand, it puts the passengers in a tough spot. How can you really know what happened? It requires also an inordinate amount of evidence to establish what actually happened. And from a point of view of judicial economy, it's quite a disaster because for a $400 claim, you may have to invest a thousand pages of filings of documents to just deal with what actually happened. So um, that is a Canada-only problem because in Europe, a flight that is canceled or delayed for maintenance reasons is still a compensable flight. It would have to be an act of sabotage, act of terrorism, or maybe a burst strike possibly before the airline could claim, we don't owe you compensation. Uh, so in Europe, in short, passengers don't have to choose between compensation and safety. They have it both.
0: Because I imagine what you want to create here and what exists in Europe to some extent, although I know there are complaints about how things work in Europe as well, is you want to create a culture where where the consumer right is primordial, so that the first instinct is to compensate, not to deflect or change.
1: And from a consumer advocacy and policy perspective, Mm -hmm. yes, from a legal perspective, what I would like to see is a system where it takes very little effort to decide whether compensation is owed or is not owed. It has to be something extremely straightforward and simple. And very few facts should be checked for verifying whether compensation is owed or, or it is not owed. The other side of the equation is enforcement. And when we talk about enforcement, uh, I'm referring to consequences for airlines that fail to pay compensation as required by law. Right now, the powers are all there to order airlines to pay penalties if they don't pay compensation to begin with. But these powers have never been actually used. When airlines break the law and don't pay passengers compensation they are owed, the best we see is that the regulator will order them to pay, but without any further significant legal consequences, such as a monetary penalty payable to the public coffers for having engaged in unlawful behavior to begin with.
0: Do you get the sense that with all that we've seen over the summer uh, when it comes to problems with airports, airlines and so forth, do you see any chance that this may be the time that this will shift? Uh, is, this, is this the time when passengers have finally had enough or do you worry we're just going to see more of this?
1: I am sure passengers had enough. That's not the question. That's uh, given. The question is what is going to be happening in terms of regulations and enforcement What what concerns me is that I'm seeing airlines gaining more and more influence and control over the regulators, more and more captured regulators, and corruption in the soft form, not in the hard form, which it was simply called regulatory capture. Um, What passengers need to do on the short term, in my view, is to take such cases to sumo claims court, because that is going to put some pressure on airlines to actually put forward evidence, to put forward Uh, lots of resources to deal with each individual case. And that can have significant behavior modification effect. The other option would be massive class actions. I'm not sure that they are going to happen, but that would also be a potential avenue. The, The situation has to come down to a point where actually it costs the airlines more to disobey the law than to obey it. Right now, it's quite clear that the one and only reason airlines are acting this way is because it is way cheaper for them to stonewall passengers and pay a few lawyers than to actually obey the law. That must change.
0: And what you're saying is that for that to change, really, it's up to the passengers to hold their feet to the fire.
1: Unfortunately, the, because the government is not doing its job to hold their nice feet to the fire, it's left to the passengers. The one tool we have is when we have uh, a case a genuinely strong case. We take it to small claims courts and force airlines to pay, force airlines to explain to the judge what actually happened. Uh, It would be the government's job, no doubt, Uh, but it's not happening. In a perfect world, the law should be changed such that, for example, lawyers that take up passengers' cases would be getting extraordinary cost awards so that it would be beneficial, profitable for a law firm to represent a passenger over a $1,000 case where the legal costs may be many thousand dollars. The biggest problem is that right now, the entire system, the government, the regulator, are not working in the public interest. They're working to serving the airline's private interests. That's where the root of the problem lies.
0: Gabor Lukacs, thank you so much for your time again tonight.
1: Thank you very much for having me.